Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace, and we have an awesome episode for you. In this one, we are diving into the U.S. Open Cup. A victory by FC Cincinnati sees them into the Elite Eight of the U.S. Open Cup with a pretty easy field in front of them. In part two, we're talking all sorts of FC Cincinnati news a lot to talk about with the roster and how this team is going to prioritize matches going forward. We wrap it up with what I'll call a preview of Colorado, and that's going to be your postcast. On joining me to talk about all of that and surely more, uh, I've got the chief and the chief himself and the chief alone. Chief, where is Grayson? What have we done with Grayson? Um, there's unsubstantiated rumors that Grayson is up in the upper peninsula of Michigan. So the spot that's off the hand, north yes. of the hand, north of the pointer finger. Um, yeah, I think that's where he's at. I think they call them youpers up there. They are youpers, yes. There was I tried a, to uh, explain this to somebody one time, and they straight up did not believe me. It was one of the greatest moments where somebody Googles your your claim, and you are 100% right, and they have to admit defeat. At some point when I was growing up, I acquired a cassette tape of a band called Die Youpers. That was a polka <laughs> band from the Upper Peninsula. And I don't know how I ended up with this cassette. I don't know where I found it. But it was comedy polka music that was not related to Weird Al Yankovic. So that was kind of a kind of a treasure a treasure trove of content when you're 12 years old, 10 years did old. Did they uh, did they also give Kevin McAllister's mom a ride home in Home Alone? <laughs> <laughs> was that Home? Yeah, that was Home Alone, wasn't it? The uh, I thought that was Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I got that confused. Like, yeah, but it John was Candy. John Candy. John, it was John Candy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I forget no. the name of the polka band in that one, though. <laughs> yeah, but they, I remember he's like trying to like be cool and say like, oh, you probably have heard of us before. You know, we do polka, polka, polka. And she's like, I have no idea. I'm just trying to get home to Chicago <laughs> to my giant house. Yes. <laughs> Easily a $10 million house these days that they're living in. So we, uh, wa we watched yeah. Home Alone for the first time with my in-laws over Christmas. And nice. it's part of a category of movies that I really do think needs to have more consideration in modern society. It is a movie that would be easily that where the dilemma is easily solvable with modern technology. Yes. Where it is a, it is a movie where the, the problem or the dilemma that is created by the plot simply cannot exist in modern society. Like there is no way that you forget a kid at home anymore. <laughs> Because the airline is scanning all the tickets as they come in, and they're going to note, uh, we're short a passenger here. Where's your kid? Yes, yes. Or the the parents would have uh, an AirTag bracelet on every kid, or you'd track all of their phones on your phone and realize Kevin's phone is still at home, and you would you would recognize that. I love this idea as a Netflix or whomever streaming platform could get the rights to these movies and remake them, but they're all 30 minutes long because right to the point where you get to the dilemma, it's solved with modern technology. It's I love like, this idea. It's, it's the ongoing, it, like this is a real meme on the, uh, in the star Wars community where mm. it's like 
things in Star Wars where somebody says something completely different and then the next frame is written and directed by George Lucas because just saying that <laughs> yes. right at the top would have solved every single thing. Like, <laughs> like Obi-Wan and, and Qui-Gon on the Trade Federation ship and the first thing out of the droid's mouth is, oh, my masters are talking with Darth Sidious right now. Darth Sidious, like, get movie over. We figured everything out right here. <laughs> yeah, did it. <laughs> <laughs> I think, but, too, uh, similarly, I believe it was uh, virtually every Seinfeld episode can't exist with cell phones. That, like, yeah. so many of the premises fall apart where everybody can text each other or everybody has a camera on them. It just, <laughs> nothing works you, anymore. Yeah, you, you can look up the procedure at the soup Nazi's place. You don't need to, like, guess at, like, what you're supposed right, to do. Or you right. order online ahead. <laughs> There's a hundred TikToks about how to order properly. Yeah, <laughs> that, they should go back and they should. It'll be a great Netflix series where it's just, you know, insert a cell phone into this and everything gets fixed where <laughs> it's no longer you no longer lose your car in a garage because the phone directs you to exactly where the car is anymore. And yeah, there isn't this whole thing of, oh, my God, they they don't even know where to meet us. It's no, they just you send them a text message. I'm running five minutes late and it solves the entire problem. Right. Right. Oh, God. Well, there's one thing modern technology can't solve, and I'll tell you what that is. That's the open cup, because this baby is historic, it is unchanged, and it continues on with FC Cincinnati in it. I'm powering through that transition, pretending a, like it was no, pretty good. It's a great transition, <laughs> but I, I do want to... Oh, please, finish I, the thought. I, I do want to make sure that we, un we underscore that with all this, that what the open cup is really good for is... Yes proving to the world that MLS is terrified <laughs> of promotion and relegation because they know their product is not much or even better uh, than the USL. And if this is wow. the tournament where we all take away to, that we need a true soccer pyramid in North America. Jesus. There, there has never been more evidence than that tweet that these pro-rel truthers straight up don't watch American soccer. <laughs> Just like they watch, they watch Chelsea versus Man City for, you know, nine months of the year and then go, yeah, America is basically the same thing, but worse. So I don't watch it. But this is what should happen. What, it's like what my, really, my man. <laughs> what really blows me away, too, is just if you're going to be a Euro snob, that's fine. That's a choice you make. Be a Euro snob. But watch all of European football. Right. Watch the FA Cup. Watch the Carabo or whatever the hell it is, energy yeah. drink cup. And if you watch those, you'll find out that, you know what? Sometimes the championship teams beat the EPL teams. Sometimes the non-league teams, Wrexham, beat teams that are higher up the pyramid. That's why a single elimination tournament is exciting, because occasionally these things happen. You know what nobody thinks? Absolutely nobody thinks. Nobody thinks the championship is better than the Premier League, because occasionally a championship team upsets an EPL team. That's an absurd, <laughs> that's a ludicrous take. Yet every year we find ourselves with people saying dumb shit like this. And hey, hand up. There were a non-insignificant number of people in the FC Cincinnati community kind of chirping the same thing back in 2017 when we were on our little open cup run of destiny. And you know what the fun thing is? Really funny, funny thing is that we were a phenomenal test case for that where we took yep. the 2018 FC Cincinnati team directly from USL. We kept a lot of the same players. We kept the same coaching staff, the same front office. We augmented 
with yes. better players. And we got the ever living shit beat out of us for three straight years <laughs> until we capitulated, hired actual MLS people, brought in actual MLS talent and started to win. <laughs> and oh, by the way, that 2019 team with less talent absolutely walked the USL. So yes. <laughs> if, you, if you just want to see that, I, I, Grayson made this point on Twitter, so I'll make sure he is here spiritually. Uh, it's the exact same kind of point that would uh, lead somebody to believe that fairly Dickerson could win the Big Ten in basketball. Like, yeah, OK, you won one knockout round and uh, that's good. Fine. Sure. Neat. Hell of a story. I think I think overall it does suggest that the overall health of American soccer is good it's going it's going well but that's it that you can't you can't tell me usl is better than mls that's an yeah. absurd statement i i know this to be true even even all of that aside because there are teams like the richmond kickers that self-relegated themselves out of usl because they couldn't maintain a roster like they couldn't they couldn't maintain that level i promise you if you offered every single USL championship team a spot in MLS, over half of them would turn you down because they are not equipped to handle that level of a league financially. They just no. aren't. They don't have the it, facilities. They don't have the the it's it's a funny thing, too, about this is unless your ownership is capitalized to an extent to be mm -hmm. able to write a 13 million dollar check for a player like Brenner or even like a $3 million check or a $4 million check, like a person like Wobodo, that isn't money that you can just sort of like put on the Amex card and pay off over time. Right. You have to pay that immediately to get players. And there are not a lot, there is, put it this way, it's not every team in the USL that has ownerships that are capitalized to such a degree that they can just write checks like that. Right, exactly. And yeah, because if they did, they'd probably be in MLS. Like yeah. we saw Sacramento try to move up and they had whale investors, but they also had a main core investor. That's still the main guy who owns Sacramento. And they weren't able to make the move because they didn't have the uh, the salary to pull it off. So yeah, I just, just absurd. Also like, yes, besides the point, of course, Columbus played like a hundred reserve players. I think they had like two regular starters in there, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, crazy. Put a, put a pin yeah. in this, put a pin in that game. I want to get back to it after we talk FC Cincinnati, because yes. at this point, people are probably wondering what the hell this podcast is all about. So we've <laughs> yes. got FC Cincinnati, New York Red Bulls. FC Cincinnati emerges victorious one to one. Although I, I do have to, I always, I hate this. So I'm going to get it right because it bothers me when people correct me on this. Did not win, draw, but advancing on penalties. Yes. Because I forget who was chirping at me online one time about how FC Cincinnati didn't win a playoff game in USL right. because they, they tied Nashville and advanced on penalties. It wasn't actually, and so, and by the way, Fuck you if you think that that's like a distinction that matters. Um, one team is advancing. That's the winning team. So this is we're going right. to this podcast. We're going to embrace this as a win. A 1-1 victory over New York Red Bulls advancing on penalties. FC Cincinnati onward to the Elite Eight. Because that's the terminology we use in this country. The Elite yes. Eight of the U.S. Open Cup. Kevin, you watched this game. 
your thoughts on this scintillating <sighs> soccer performance from FC Cincinnati. Well, I'll tell you, that was certainly a game of soccer, right? Um, that was that was a painful game for the vast majority of the game, I would say. I don't know if you have a different opinion, but that was, I don't know, man. I hate playing New York Red Bulls. I just, I really don't like it. Their style of play, I find detestable. Yeah, just the it's the one HP defense where everybody falls over like they've been shot whenever there's anyone in the yep. general vicinity. This game had no flow. And I think part of the problem is just that with this team, the further they stray from their first choice lineup, mm -hmm. I think the worse they play. It's these they don't like there's that cohesion and flow to their offense just doesn't exist when they don't have everyone on the field who knows where they're supposed to be, who knows what the other players are going to do. And I think that part of the problem, and you can tell me I'm wrong on this if you think so, is that when the sort of the, the engine that drives the ship is someone like Lucho Acosta, mm -hmm. he plays so instinctively and he plays so first touch this, move this way, that way, that when you're not where he thinks that you're going to be or where you expect to be, yes. I think it throws everything off. I think that he thrives on that consistency of that sixth sense of knowing where everyone is going to be, but the Jedi reflex of knowing yes. where everybody's supposed to be before it happens. It We did see 2021 Acosta in this game, which is obviously best player on the field, but really needs a supporting cast in order for him to be the playmaker that we know him to be. And Kubo's good. Kubo's fine. Kubo scored. Kubo cooked, you might even say. Yes. Woboto's very good. But the Pinto and Gulo midfield, even with Woboto, even with Acosta on the field, but playing more advanced, not enough. It's no. just not enough. And... Uh, New York Red Bulls, you know, rotated plenty as well. But yeah, if you were hoping that there was a an FCC B team that could still do damage in MLS, uh, this was not a great experiment for you. No. no, it wasn't. And the hope is, is that there's some components within this lineup, like Angulo and like Pinto, where what they need is minutes. Mm -hmm. And that like you're going to you're going to not enjoy a lot of the minutes that a young player plays like these two. But the hope is, is that they only play those minutes once and that the next set of minutes are better and the minutes after that are better and the minutes after that are better. Yeah. So on one hand, it's yeah, they, they didn't show a lot that was good. There were flashes here and there, but overall mm -hmm. it lacked cohesion. It lacked you know, anything resembling a threatening team focused um, performance. But they also won. They also gave some people some time off. Now, it turned out that because this match went to extra time, a lot of the players, I think they were hoping to rest, yeah. had to put in longer shifts. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's better than the alternative of burning someone out for all 120 of the minutes. So I guess good on them. But yeah, I, I think that it's a recurring theme and one we're probably going to talk about later in the episode. 
that this team is in a really good spot, but you scratch a little below the surface. And at this point, you have to start asking some questions, I think, a little bit. Yeah. But I'd rather answer those questions after a win and in, yes. in advancing than answering those questions after a loss and getting dumped out of the tournament. That's for goddamn sure. And and that is the positive thing here. So, um, yeah, I mean, going into this one, we learn Vasquez picked up a knock. We find out immediately after this game that Miazga didn't make it into the game uh, because he had uh, felt some tightness in his groin or something like that, and they, Which, they didn't want to risk it. Been there. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say, I mean, who hasn't had that that injury? Right. Um, or as, but, as, jo- as Jonah once said, he had a um a hurt penis. Yeah, he had a hurt penis. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do agree. I, I think it was Abby, maybe Sarah in the uh, in the Discord who said um, they really don't like the term "knock," and I completely agree. The only the only time we get to use that expression is in soccer. I assume it's a Britishism. Um, the only other thing I can think of it is if like you have an engine knock where like your car's engine isn't isn't operating well. But <laughs> I, I am fully on board with replacing the word knock in soccer parlance with boo-boo because it's I think it's a slightly more accurate description of what's happening here, which right. is Vasquez got a boo-boo in practice and right. now he's gotta sit up for a little bit. <laughs> I think uh I think that we should just steal from the NFL where it's a little dinged up. Oh yeah, a little dinged up, yeah. <laughs> or uh, pull the LeBron, and if you uh, if you have a bad game, just sort of quietly leak to the media that you uh, you actually had a torn tendon the entire the entire game. Or, or when he or when whatever. he lost the when he lost the NBA Finals in one year, he had a basically broken foot or basically broken wrist or yes. something like that. Yeah, it's like how is something basically broken? It's either broken or it's not. It's a binary thing. It's so it can't he be. be flinching after every play every basket like man that hurts after a while (laughs) somebody referred to him after that as lebron blames and i was like that's just so perfect what's he blaming this time Uh, um well back to this game i will say uh and and to your point this was probably the best match we've seen from marco angulo it still wasn't great he wasn't able to salvage the midfield himself but better than nothing. I don't think there was much separating Pinto and Angulo from my perspective in this game, which is either a bad thing for Pinto or a good thing for Angulo based on the the earlier season went. It's hard to praise either one of them when you look at the the numbers in this game. Mm -hmm. So you you pull up the stats on it. Uh, FC Cincinnati completed passes 385 New York, 651. (laughs) Pass accuracy. FC Cincinnati, or sorry, New York Red Bulls, 76%. FCC, 60%. Yeah. Like, it's one thing to be outpossessed, which, you know, this team finds itself being outpossessed a a lot, but they were just, like, walked around the pitch from basically... From basically the point where, where Kubo scored onward, it was just like, okay, we're holding on for dear fucking life in this game. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I had this up as well. Uh, the shots, stats, and passes stats. Uh, Red Bull won on 
every single one of these. Total shots, shots off target, shots on target, block shots, shots inside the box, shots outside the box, passes, accurate passes, passes in the own half, passes in the opposition half, accurate long balls, accurate crosses, throw-ins. Red Bull won on every single one of those. There is one, though, that we did tie on, and that is hit woodwork. We both had zero. There we go. <laughs> there we, you can't beat us up. When it comes to hitting the post, you, nobody beats us. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, they did get more yellow cards. Six on the night, which felt like a little bit of cosmic justice, I feel. Um, as well as I'm I'm all over the, the board on this game. Uh, we should probably talk about this. The, uh, 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 the penalty that was not a penalty. And I just want to say, if you have not been on my side on team abolish VAR, welcome to the fan club because <laughs> now you see why it, it is good to ban VAR. Even if you're a Red Bull fan, you don't have to wait 20 minutes to get screwed over for there not to be conclusive evidence to overturn a bad call, et cetera, et cetera. It happened and we moved on. Yeah. And life and goes everything on. was fine. <laughs> Barely a talking point for this game because everything moved on so quickly. You don't even have time yes. to process the fact that something got screwed up. It's nice. Um, so they're carrying a lead for most of this game. And then in the most FC Cincinnati of FC Cincinnati ways, 2021 <laughs> FC Cincinnati yes. concedes it in the second minute of stoppage time. And the real shitty part about that is, is it forced them to put another 30 minutes of wear and tear on everyone's legs for a team that's in the middle of quite a large stretch of game runs. Especially Lucha's legs. That's yeah. the big one. So I, it's like, yeah. that's where that hurt. It wasn't even like, it wasn't even mad that they conceded because all I could mm -hmm. think about was win or lose now. Now it's like you're, it's like a baseball game that goes to extra innings where <laughs> yes. at a certain point, if like you're in a pennant race or you're like really neck and neck and need to win games, you almost start doing the math of, are we better off just throwing a position player out there and losing this game versus burning every arm in the bullpen? trying like, to see out a, a win in a game <laughs> especially you get to that moment in somewhere in like the 13th inning where you know the starter in two days has to come out and do an inning you're like ah shit this ain't worth it this ain't worth it nope nope <laughs> that that is a little bit what it felt like as more and more of the subs came on you're like oh man okay i was really hoping that guy got a night off nope yeah i was really hoping they could sub off lucha with like 70 minutes to play in this game nope that's not gonna nope. happen nope and then haglin goes out hurt which it sounds like isn't as big of a deal, but I have to think that haglin going down wasn't in the game script no and that the the plan was to sub Lucho there, and suddenly Barial and uh, uh, Joey had to come in, and yeah, that was that was and, rough. And the, the tough part too is that so Yuyakubo scores early in this game, and it was a fine goal. It was yeah. you know it's it's an outside shot from Yuya. It's one of those things it. where it's they love it. It's um, if you want. If you if you're in the camp like I am of that, they probably need to use Yuya more. If they're going to pay him this much money, this is a lot of evidence that you can probably see him doing some good out there in some more extended minute opportunities. I would like to see him next to Vasquez 
mm-hmm. um, as opposed to trying to be the sole striker up top. I don't think that suits his game well. That's yeah. um, my take on that. And it looks like this game's going to finish 1-0, and then Khan just... I don't know to this day, today, I don't think he's seen the soccer ball that went in <laughs> on that shot because he somehow yeah. manages to get beaten near post when he has maybe five feet of space to cover and he just stands there flat footed like, you know, somebody farted and he's trying not to get caught. <laughs> it, it, charitably, I I'll assume he was shielded pretty badly on that one. But yeah, on replay, it's it's a rough one. It's a rough one for 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 all Ali can on that one. That's yeah, you know, you never want to see your keeper in that position. I don't want to be that guy, but hey, maybe there's a reason Roman continues to start over him. And yeah, it was just a bad look. He had a very good game overall. And he's and had again, a very good he's had a very good cup overall. Yes. And yes. When this game, the, the extra time in this game was dog shit. Like everyone was exhausted. Yes. No one was interested in being there. I think if both teams could have agreed to skip extra time and just go right to PKs. I think they probably would have done it. Um, Which is how they do it in the Copa America in South America. And I think every tournament should adopt that. If you can't win in 90, just go to go to penalty kicks because the extra 30 minutes isn't worth it. It's just it's not worth it to the sport. I uh, I also saw a take that I agree with a lot where that if you're going to do extra time, you should pull the keepers off. And you can have an out you can have an outfield player standing on the line, but they're they can't use their hands. So <laughs> just encourage you to pepper the goal with shots. Somebody's gonna win. <laughs> I like that. It does remind me of the dying moments of regulation in this game where New York Red Bulls God, I wish we had a team that would do a dumb move like this. Uh they subbed in their goalkeeper off the bench. Um Who's uh, is it Carmona? I think I the, the name's escaping me here on on their their backup goalkeeper comes in. They had to make a field jersey for him in the gift shop mid game because they were completely out of subs. They subbed him in uh, right before the uh, the penalty kicks just just to put another tall person in the box for a dying moment corner kick. And I love it. That's yeah. such a great move. That's a great open cup move right there. That I just love the the visual of the manager yelling down to get him ready to warm up. And the, the kit man or someone has to be, we don't have a jersey for him. Yes. And just the death stares that probably occur right there. We'll figure it the fuck out. And somebody's <laughs> somebody's hauling ass up the stairs. They're unlocking the team shop, fumbling with the keys. They're trying to warm up the machine that presses the jerseys because they literally had to grab a jersey off the rack. Yes. Put it down on that like press machine they do to customize. They made the man a custom jersey. I'm shocked it wasn't misspelled. They're like right. the name wasn't all crooked because they were trying to get it done too quick. <laughs> if I mean, I've always had the theory that like even the authentic jerseys aren't actually authentic. Surely they're not putting the same product out there. 
Apparently, apparently this is good <laughs> enough for for match officials to accept it. And that has me that that is a, a great marketing tactic. And it has me reassessing my authentic jersey takes. So <laughs> it's like you are quite literally wearing what the pros wear because they grabbed it off the rack and gave it to a pro to wear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, so the man. game goes to PKs. And I guess for Ali Khan. Like or can, I'm always going to get that wrong. I am never I going to do that I, right. I'm, I learned it the wrong way, and it's never going to, never going to stick. It's stuck. It's. I'm sorry. Your name is Khan. That's way cooler. Great Star Trek movie. Great villain. Um, saves the first PK, and that's all you can. Like there is no as a goalkeeper, there is no better way than to start out with a save on on penalties yep. because from that point forward, you're playing with house money, and your strikers know all we have to do is make our kicks. And we win. It's it's oddly it's pressure relieving to yes. know you know hey we just got to do our thing and we're good we win if we do this it isn't an uncertainty we're not waiting to see what the outcome is we do our yeah. thing we win and I want to note that my only takeaway that I had written down on my notes app here for this <laughs> is that Lucho can take good penalties when he puts his <laughs> mind to it because that was a phenomenal penalty he took it was it was his best penalty. That I can remember. And yeah, I I remember I'm sitting in bed watching this game (laughs) because I'm an old man. And I'm thinking, for the love of God, Lucha, just make this. I'm fine (laughs) losing the shootout as long as you make this. This can't be the narrative about you. (laughs) I think you were just I think you were just living in fear of having to get on this podcast and listen to me talk about how <laughs> it's absurd that we still let Lucho take penalties. The motherfucker <laughs> led off PKs. Like, I don't know what this, <sighs> what voodoo in his contract he has to do this, but there are better <laughs> penalty takers on this team. Let them go first. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> I mean, he steps up first. Uh, man, I, I am reminded uh, of... I I forget if it was a World Cup or a Euros where Portugal decided that they would put Ronaldo fifth in the kicking order. And then they lost before they got to take the fifth kick. And so arguably your best player at penalties, I assume, right? Your your best player on the field wasn't able to take a kick because you tried to get cute and make him the the last kick taker. I don't know. Maybe maybe they were doing that. They, maybe Lucha's the worst of the five, and they figured Barial can can wait at the end and bury the fifth one. I don't know. <laughs> Barial took a killer penalty. That was like, good. It was He's really very good. good at this. Yeah, it's it's almost like he should be doing this all the time or something. And I yeah I it was just so good. It was so nice to get that win. Um, I'll plug the uh, the website uh, here and say that it was good to get a win over a rival. I uh, wrote an article this week about how I, I believe New York Red Bulls makes up the final three of FCC's three main rivals. Chief, I put it to you. Am I am I crazy? Do you have a soft spot for Nashville or I, I saw somebody recommend Detroit City as our third <laughs> rival, which so I don't. Three. Don't disagree. We just we'd, don't play enough. <laughs> we'd have three rivals and two of them wouldn't be in our league. That was just so, so soccer hipster. I would love yes. it. Um, so I've got like a weird thing with the Red Bulls and follow yeah. my logic, follow my logic here on this one. Okay. All right. Number one, um, of all the fan bases 
online for MLS, which is really how I judge what mm-hmm. I think about teams for the most part. They're far and away one of the least in, like least insufferable. I kind of like most Red Bulls fans that I see online. Yeah. The uh, the Viking army, they seem like good dudes um, and women or whoever they are. Um, use the Bullet Club logo from professional wrestling as their SG logo. You got to respect that. Yep. Um, and although. All right. So here's where when we played them in the Open Cup and I get that they knocked us out of the Open Cup the first go around. They beat mm-hmm. us. Their two team beat us in the playoffs, I think, in crushed this league. I think that 2018, year. Yep. 2018. Um, I understand there's bad vibes there, but like what my overriding memory of Red Bulls is, is that when we played them in the Open Cup and they and we they beat us and it sucked and I was, you know, mad. I had was already making plans to go to Kansas City, standing in the Bailey. I was drunk. I was not happy about it. Yep. All their players came over and like clapped. Yeah. At the at the at the supporters section. And there was one guy on the team, I forget who it was, where he looked around, pointed down, and and you could see him say, we'll be back. Wow. Jesse Marsh cuts an interview right afterwards where he said that it was the best American soccer environment he's ever been to. And I'll forgive him for this. He said it was an argument for promotion and relegation that a city like Cincinnati <laughs> exists. So I'll forgive him for that. But it's like, for beating us, they gassed us up like a lot. During yeah. and after that game, and I just i I didn't walk out of there hating them. I was like, all right, like i I don't hate you at all. Yeah. And so it's they will always be that soft spot for how that moment was. And it's personal. It's just me. So I'm okay if you want to say the Red Bulls are a rival. I think on the field and the way the games, the types of games that these two teams have, yeah, absolutely. But me personally, I I know this is heresy in like MLS circles. I kind of like the Red Bulls. I kind of like them. And I hate NYCFC. I hate them. Yeah, Those people fair. suck. So it's like, <laughs> I get that we don't have a rivalry with NYCFC. We don't have that history there. But I right. wish we had it with them because they seem so much hate, more hateable than the Red Bulls are. <laughs> I've had some classics over the years, for better or for worse, remembering the 5-2 game where uh, our only two goals came from from oh, own goals. goals. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I can entertain the idea of a friendly rivalry. Like, okay. I'm sure they don't have any real animosity towards no. us. I just, I keep coming back to, like, some of the biggest moments in FCC's history. The team on the other side of the field is always New York Red Bulls for better or yeah. for worse. And our games are good. And I it's it's gonna take me a long time before I can forgive the Aaron Long headbutt, quote unquote, yeah. where we had to free Lucho. Yeah. <laughs> there are an abnormal number of big FC Cincinnati moments that involve the Red Bulls. So right. losing in the playoffs in USL, our best team ever, knocked out of our magical open cup run. Um they they somehow pawned Hassan Nadam off on us in the expansion yes. draft and then started the motherfucker in this game. <laughs> which again Which is just bravo. Bravo, New York Red Bulls organization. Just bravo. <laughs> so good. That's, that's right up there with subbing in your backup keeper as a field player. Yeah. Like they, yeah. They, again, 
if we view them as a rival, right. this is fucking insulting and it's right. very well done. <laughs> Aaron Long headbutt. And then we get our revenge by they're our first playoff victory in MLS. Yes. They seem to find themselves in our orbit quite a bit. It's it's very much like this uh the line in this is not from Broadway World, but in <laughs> Hamilton, as they're reaching the climax, where Aaron Burr has this line that is, I reflect upon my life. I find that the one constant thorn in my side is you. And that's kind of like, <laughs> yeah, as I reflect on the history of FCC, I do find that the consistent, the 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 consistent villain or opposition is Red Bull. But they were really nice to me in 2017 after beating us. So I, I, I don't know why I like them. <laughs> I, I also think, too, I think they really wanted Matt Miazga back, especially with Aaron Long, you know, obviously on his way out. Miazga coming back to the States. Why wouldn't he want to go back home? The Red Bulls treated him well enough. And then as soon as FCC stole him they abolished the allocation order just throwing just throwing a little, little mm-hmm. light conspiracy theory on the, on the rivalry that the red bulls are the reason why they got rid of the allocation order because they were so mad that they missed out on miazga so you know a, a better run league would tell this story and it would use it as an excuse to drive you know viewership to i think we play them in july on a wednesday and i only know that because i think i'm going to be in new york for that game mm. um but yeah, like that's there is a story between New York and Cincinnati that's interesting. And it wouldn't take a lot of effort to tell that story from the league. And if only they had a place to put that kind of story <laughs> where you could like, you know, upload it and people could watch it at their their discretion. Oh, that's that's another topic for another day. Yeah. But man, is that platform underutilized for sure things is. like this. So we are in the Elite Eight of the Open Cup after a, sure I'm going to go ahead and term it an un, slightly undeserved victory, but they all count the same. So yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll agree. Yeah, there's no such thing as a bad win, but that was a bad win. Um, but my God, did the rest <laughs> of this tournament, the rest of this round go according to plan, huh? Yeah, sure did. <laughs> um, the reason why this episode's dropping on Friday instead of Thursday is that we were up watching and cheering on your Pittsburgh Riverhounds as they <laughs> dominated, kind of, the Columbus I mean, they crew. They didn't look half bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, 1-0 on the, uh, the friendly AstroTurf on the banks of the Monongahela, uh, Highmark Stadium. And yeah, they make it through. Birmingham from the championship knocks out Charlotte FC last night as well. It's all shaping up. There will be a open cup game on July, on June the 6th here at TQL stadium, Cincinnati yep. versus Pittsburgh. And I want to, by the way, if you haven't looked at this yet, this is the first time you're hearing about it. I want to give a special shout out to the FC Cincinnati front office. I don't do this very often. I more critical than not of the team. Supporters tickets in the Bailey priced at $5.13 plus tax. You can get into this game to see the top of the table, FC Cincinnati, in the Elite Eight of the U.S. Open Cup, $5.13. This is appropriate pricing for a game like this. Yes, They should do this for the entire Open Cup. The entire Open Cup should be priced this way. This should be an opportunity to expand your fan bases to people who might not, you know, have the money to buy tickets all the time. And you can take your family to a game like this. You can take your friends. If you're in college, you're home for the summer. You can get drunk and rowdy at an FC Cincinnati game. 
Who knows? Maybe you catch the bug. I love it. I love everything about pricing tickets like this. 20 bucks to get into the first financial club. I love it. It's it's phenomenal. They should open the entire stadium up and do this and market this. They should push this out to everyone. I They would have absolutely no problem selling 15,000 tickets to this game if they put even a basic amount of effort into it at this price. I would be tempted to say anybody with a valid college ID gets an upper deck ticket just straight up. Show it up. Like, yeah, show it off. Just, 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 you know, cast that net as wide as possible. So, yeah, that's that's going to be a fun one. Um, so it's the, yeah. the, que- the question becomes then. And so yes. this is how I kind of want to phrase as we transition off the U.S. Open Cup. And this will we'll obviously have a full preview. And by that, I mean, we'll talk about this game later and do (laughs) no research about the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Have we reached go for it point in the U.S. Open Cup where they should be starting the full healthy 11 and should they be going for it? Because Pittsburgh has picked off now two MLS teams that have thought they could squad rotate and, you know, make it through. Is this the time where now we're down to the Elite Eight? Should FC Cincinnati be treating this like a must-win game and play the starters. Yes, I think if the goal this season was silverware, you are now three games away from silverware, right? One, three, two, game, three, yeah, three games away. And with LAFC losing, FC Cincinnati should be the betting favorite in any game they play going forward against any of these teams. I just wanted to look this up very quickly here. Uh, this is great. The The teams remaining in, in the tournament right now are currently ranked 29th of 29. They are ranked 24th of 29, 23 of 29, 21 of 29 MLS teams, and two USL teams. And then... Number one, number one being us, uh, there is a, you know, non zero percent chance that Birmingham Legion, who will play Miami, uh, enter Miami on June 7th, that they could beat them And FCC would need to beat two USL teams to face a bottom feeder from the Western Conference for a chance at. Not just silverware, but a Champions League berth on the line. The first MLS title for this club. There, I understand there's going to be a temptation to rotate against Pittsburgh and potentially rotate against a Birmingham or a Miami, but Don't you do can't. It. You got to win. You, you got to win. win a title. You are, you are three, <sighs> get three wins. Three yes. wins away from the first trophy in the trophy case. And not only that, that you can make the first trophy in FC Cincinnati's trophy case, the open cup, the trophy, mm. the, the, the tournament that put this team into the national conversation that raised it from a, huh, that's kind of a neat story in the USL to, oh my God, that's a story that everyone needs to pay attention to. Um, you have to go for this. You yeah. have to put the 11 out there and you have to beat Pittsburgh. You are at home. You have gotten them off the artificial playing surface. They're going to have to play in your building in front of your fans who are on $5 tickets. So there's no excuse not to be drunk at this game. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> you have to go for this because you do that. And then all of a sudden it's okay. You look at the way that you just ran down the teams there. Every single one of those teams 
FC Cincinnati will be a favorite against no matter where the game is played. Yes. Like, like venue agnostic, FC Cincinnati will be the favored team in each one of these matchups. You have to go for it. You have to try to win. And I know this is going to be unpopular with some people, but if that means you squad rotate in MLS against like Toronto or something like that, then you squad rotate in that game. Yes. That's the brilliance of where they are in the table is that they are, I think, what, five points clear of second yeah. place with a game in hand? Yep. You have built yourself a cushion to squad rotate in MLS to make a run at the U.S. Open Cup. You've got to do it right now. You've got yeah. to do it. It's 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 just so close. And the Supporters' Shield is so hard to win. And I'm not saying we can't win it. I'm just saying... Bird in hand. This is a bird in hand. Yes. You are so much closer to winning this than you are the supporter shield. The supporter shield may as well be it may as well be a thousand years in the future for how much can change during the season between now and then. And it's yeah. dependent on so many other things. Are they going to get a young DP to replace Brenner, which we'll talk about here in a second? Like there are so many other moving parts to staying healthy for a supporter shield run. Just go win the open cup and let the supporter shield sort itself out as you go along the way. Yeah, and the the match congestion clears up after Pittsburgh. So the next game after that would be August 23rd, the final being September 27th. That's not adding that much to the plate. So no. yes, this Pittsburgh game is uh, going to come at an inopportune moment, but that's it. The, but, the other one's just slot then, right on in. And it's also, you got to remember that you'll play that Pittsburgh game on the 6th, which is a Tuesday. You play again on Saturday, which I think we play Toronto. And then yeah. I think they have like 10 days off or like two weeks off mm -hmm. between the next game. So there will be an opportunity to get healthy, get rested. It's just going to be a slog until then. And you've got to this. The marching orders, if I am Chris Albright, the marching orders to Pat Noonan are you do what you have to do between now and the sixth to have your team ready to have the starting 11 playing that game. And yeah. to treat that like it's a league game. Because, look, there's no advantage to coming in first in in the league. Like, if you're first in the Eastern Conference, guess what? You don't get a bye. <laughs> you're still, no. You still have to play a home-and-home home leg or a home-and-away leg, uh, depending on which side of the pond you're on. Um, you, still, you still have to do a, a two-legged playoff game, even if you finish first. And, yeah, you get a team coming in off of a, uh, a play-in game, but you don't get a bye for that. The, the play-in team has to go on a short break, but then you're still back at it. And there's any reason to believe that we could get uh, a Nashville or a Columbus, you know, in that game. Uh, and, yeah, you, you take the first, the first seed and you lose in the opening round. And then what was all of this for? No, you gotta you gotta go for the trophy that you were closest to. And right now that's the open cup. And as long as that doesn't cost you a playoff spot, I'm fine with it. In fact, in fact, I'll take this bold claim to finish second or third versus like fifth or sixth in the playoffs is worse because it means you didn't rest enough guys at the right time and that your team is probably more ragged. Like there is no advantage to getting that much higher seed when all of the seeds have to do home and home. So yeah, what are you doing? Nada. I, I, yeah. 
Let's I agree. let's go win the Open Cup. It, I mean, you know what this reminds me of, and I know you're not a Bearcats fan. You're you're a Musketeers fan, but I imagine you can empathize here. Uh, the Bearcats had a a pretty great a pretty great field laid out when uh, the first number one seed in the history of the tournament was upset by a 16 seed. I think the two or the three seed, I think was also upset in that one. UC had a 22 point lead on old Nevada. Yeah. And, um, it uh, didn't go their way, no. <laughs> so I'm, I'm getting a little bit of flashbacks there. But I'm just saying, if you could, if you could have laid out the field for for old FC Cincinnati in the Open Cup, you probably would have drawn up this exact field. So pretty I'm good. Just, just excited we don't have to play Columbus again. I was not looking forward to that at all. That would have been brutal. Would, would, not, would both no. teams have just agreed to play their two teams <laughs> and, and not make a big deal about it? <laughs> Just cl- a closed stadium match between the two teams. Like we don't want to. We're just going to pretend this didn't happen and just move on. <laughs> Actually, it would be hilarious if we agreed to play our two teams and played it at the the NKU Stadium where, where <laughs> FCC two plays. <laughs> Both teams agree to stand there for 120 minutes and then just we'll settle it on PKs. It'll be electric. Oh, what? Just just <laughs> the worst gentleman's agreement ever. I love it. Um, well. I think that does it for open cup talk. We've given it enough here. Um, shall we jump over to part two where we talk a little bit about the uh, the team as itself? There's quite a bit of team news here. Let's roll. All right, we're back and we're talking your FC Cincinnati as they're on a hell of a run. Number one team in MLS right now. Number two in the power rankings, though. So Got to bait those clicks. We're perpetually <laughs> online and we're nothing if not easily agreed. That is very true. No, that is, uh, yeah, that's absolutely designed to get engagement. And <laughs> honestly, if we ever get number one in the power rankings, uh, they've failed to do their jobs. <laughs> um, but no, there's quite a bit of team news uh going on uh starting off with this one brenner is gone uh chief is is this the last time brenner makes a show rundown for us i hope so yeah you know it's um there are some players with fc cincinnati where i'll follow their careers just some you know invested in them from their time here like if yeah if vasquez goes somewhere I'll follow what Vasquez is doing. If Barial goes somewhere, I'll check it on Barial. I don't see myself Russell following. Cicerone. Oh, Russell Cicerone tearing it up for Sacramento, just there in you case go. you were wondering. <laughs> Manu's with with um with Las Vegas, I think, too. Absolutely. And had a yeah. USL goal of the week a, a month ago. Yeah. <laughs> I'll follow, I'll follow guys like that. Brenner, I don't see myself following or giving a shit about Udinese. Um yeah. I don't know. I, I just I what I appreciate about, uh, about this entire saga is that for all of the will he won't he and there were absurd takes out there that we've talked about <laughs> ad nauseum of that. Oh, no, he will be motivated to do good now that the pressure of the European <laughs> transfer is off his his, his shoulders. Uh-huh. Bullshit. And I hope <laughs> I hope anyone that says that realizes just what an absurd company line to parrot that was. Um but at, at the end of the day, like he Irish goodbye the team and he Irish goodbye the city just slipped off like the Baltimore Colts in the dead of night. 
never yeah. to be seen or heard from again. And it's just sort of a fitting end to the Brenner saga with FC Cincinnati, a player that arrived with a ton of fanfare who never truly lived up to expectations that showed tantalizing flashes of brilliance. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I said it online and it's, it's true is that he's a really good player. And I hope to God as a fellow human being, I hope he does well. And I hope he achieves his goals. He makes his money and he does whatever it is that motivates him and makes him happy in this world. But it was painfully obvious. I think to everyone, he didn't want to be here. He did yeah. not give a shit about this team, this city, this club winning. It was, this was a waypoint on Brenner's life. And if you'll indulge me in a rant for a second, please. So what I don't think a lot of, I don't say a lot, some players don't understand. Some players do understand this, that as sports fans, we engage in this self delusion that the players care as much as we do, that the players are as mm -hmm. invested as we are, that they, that they love this city and this club as much as we do. That, that's yeah. like a, it's this weird suspension of disbelief. It's kind of like when you watch pro wrestling, you, you can't sit there the entire time and think, well, that's fake. You've got to sort of turn your brain off. It's the same thing right. with like, you watch the Avengers, you can't say to yourself the entire time, well, Thanos is just a CG guy Josh Brolin <laughs> is voicing. He's not actually snapping and killing people. That's stupid. Right. That couldn't, you have to suspend your disbelief. And sports is the same way. You have to suspend your disbelief as a fan when it comes to watching um, people making large sums of money to further their own careers, and they just happen to do it in the city that you live in and the team that you root for. The best players indulge that fantasy for you. Yes. They maintain yes. the illusion. They buy into the lie. Do I think Lucho Acosta loves the city of Cincinnati? I don't. I don't think he loves the city. I think he may like it here. I think he may have a nice life here, but this isn't his home. He doesn't love this place. Does he love FC Cincinnati? I'll bet he'd never heard of FC Cincinnati prior to joining this club. I bet that he had no idea that there was a team here. But you know what he does while he's here? He makes me believe that he gives a shit about this team, about this city, about this club. He's kissing the badge. like It's a joke with Jonah. But it's not really a joke. It's that as a fan, when you make me believe you care, I am going to walk over hot coals for you. I'm going to defend you. I'm going to sit on a silent protest on Twitter when you are wronged. You're one of my guys. <laughs> All it takes to buy that from me is just pretend. Just let me live the lie that you care as much as I do. Yes. And that was the disconnect with Brenner at the end of the day is that at no point did he appreciate, I think, the need to indulge that lie, especially as a star player, to at least pretend like you give a shit and pretend like this wasn't just a waypoint on your career onward to bigger and better things. We all know that. We accept that. We're not going to hate you for it. Just while you're here, if you could just let me live the lie that you care. I Lucho is such a good example of this because I I don't know if anybody saw the uh I'll say the 
the 75% of the way there uh, content that the club posted of the uh, the Hot Wings Challenge uh, with uh, Lucho and uh, Santi Arias. And one of the questions was, um, say something bad about a team you've played for. And uh, Arias takes a bite. And I forget what it exactly was, but it was very clear that like he didn't want to say anything bad about Cincinnati. And uh, at another point, Lucho said, uh, oh, somebody has uh, the question was like, what's the best city that you played in? And Lucho's like, why wouldn't you say Cincinnati? Like he's playing into <laughs> it. Right. But at the same time, Lucho goes on on uh, uh, I think it was a radio show or he's interviewed in Argentina where he says, my heart is always with Boca Juniors. I would love to end my career there. I want to play for Boca again. It's like, yeah, guys, like I'm I'm all for like buying into the he is all for FCC. He grabs the badge, uh, all of that jazz. He's, he's in he's in the club content, you know, hyping the city up, hyping the team up but yeah when push comes to shove he he wants to go back home <laughs> to the massive club that, that you know birthed him as an academy player and it has a storied history and and some of the most insane supporters on but, planet earth but you know what's what's, <laughs> what's what's fucked up about it is that like i'll defend him on that yes yes I will, when he says that and somebody's like oh see he doesn't like it here i'll defend him i'm like no 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 you don't understand it's boca juniors it was the club that was sort of like his youth club i am right. defending his disloyalty because i believe that when he pats the badge that means something i'm buying into the lie and i'm defending him because i've bought into the lie let me live the lie as a fan because if i can't live the lie as a fan this entire thing we do as sports fans seems so much more absurd and so much more of a waste of time. <laughs> this, I uh, I think this was in the Jerry Seinfeld, but he had a, had a very famous bit about how we root for laundry. That if you were to take the FC Cincinnati roster and the Columbus crew roster and just trade all of the players 100%, keep the same coaching staff, stadiums, colors, uniforms, you just trade the players I'm still an FCC fan. I will suddenly love Cucho and, and Zellerion, and I'll and welcome Vaisia uh, back. Yeah. When he comes into play for Columbus, like that son of a bitch. It takes me zero seconds to suddenly have a whole host of new favorite players and hate those other guys. Uh, <laughs> so, so, yeah. I, I pose this question. Yeah. I pose this question to you. What is the legacy of Brenner at FC Cincinnati, if you had to sum it up in a sentence or two? I think Brenner's legacy is Nykamp's legacy, which is good attacking pieces but it just all wasn't there and that's <laughs> that's it right like that's it was almost a thing but it just didn't quite click and I mean, look, the second half of 2022 is one of the single greatest half seasons in the history of MLS. Like literally any player who, you know, pick, pick, you know, the best of, uh, uh, of um oh geez like uh, uh Joseph Martinez or Zlatan like their best half seasons just barely match up to what Brenner did in the back half of 2022 incredible but outside of that uh, wasn't all that good was he <laughs> no to to me the legacy of Brenner is that Brenner was a walking embodiment of the ambitions of fc cincinnati mm -hmm. that 
they arrived onto the scene in MLS and they were determined to make a cash splash. And so that they were serious about going out and finding big time and paying for big time talent. But the what went along with that was that they trusted a man in Gerard Nijkamp who had absolutely no idea how to value talent. So the legacy of Nijkamp is that Nijkamp left behind players that were being paid grossly disproportionately to the value they they performed on the field. And the two examples this season are were Brenner, who never lived up to his transfer fee, and yeah. Yuya Kubo, who has never lived up to his wage bill. And yeah. so to me, with Brenner moving on, and I would assume Kubo moving on, that will be the, the end of the era of FC Cincinnati where they were tremendously wasteful with money. And yeah. my hope is, is that the team didn't learn the wrong lesson from Brenner. The lesson from Brenner isn't don't spend lots of money. The lesson from Brenner is spend money wisely when you poke it out of your pocket, but don't get cheap. And I worry that they went cheap with Wobodo, relatively speaking. It's a low, it's a DP contract, but it's a lower end DP contract. Yeah. Lucho was on a low end DP contract. My hope is that the replacement for Brenner, they maintain the same level of ambition in looking for a player that can be a true difference maker. Yeah. I completely agree. I, I'll i even take it in a collective sort of way. So your U22 initiative players, the transfer fees essentially don't count against their salary charge so long as they don't make too much in salary. Um, I'm fine if Brenner's you know $13 million replacement is a $4 million transfer fee on a U22 player and an $8 million striker, you know, or even a $6 million striker. Like that is that money being reinvested just in a slightly different way and a more responsible way and in a way that is exactly why Albright was brought in is to right. distribute those resources accordingly and to not put all of your eggs in one basket which is exactly what happened with brenner um so yeah no i i mean i'll tell you this if if there's if there's still a rooting interest for brenner it's this is we really need that sell-on fee to kick in because that's when we start to make our real money on brenner and so hopefully he goes on to uh set syria alight makes a big money move to the premier league and fcc gets a cool five million dollar check just for hanging on to the rights of brenner for, for a little bit just being in the right place at the right time. That would be a nice change of pace when it came to money. It would be nice. Now, Brenner leaving does lead us very nicely to the next point, which is overall squad rotation. So there was always the hope in the back of my mind that Brenner could come in as a super sub during one of these games leading up to his alleged exit date of July 1st. That is no longer the case. Archimedes Ardonez is still with the uh, the the Youth World Cup tournament. There, we saw Lucho at striker. We saw Kubo at striker. Vasquez picked up a knock. There's a lot happening here. <laughs> like, <laughs> when when do we panic? Is it when losses start mounting up? Because so far, we're we're surviving, but it's gonna get harder. I guess when you start to see the effects of fatigue mm -hmm. is when you start panicking still early in the year. Um, I don't know. It's, 
it's working. I guess that's the positive so far is that it hasn't the wheels haven't fallen off. They're going to get allegedly Sergio Santos back this weekend. I saw that he was training uh, as as when we recorded it. Uh, I think they think the situation with Hagland is not serious where mm. I know that he had picked up a knock. Miazga is apparently OK. It was precautionary for him being held out. Vasquez, I okay. think they said as well, is going to travel to Colorado. They didn't say about what he was playing, but he's traveling, which is a positive situation right there. I'll I think that. Um, it's paper thin. It's striker. It's paper, yeah. paper thin right now. And the problem is, is that it it doesn't seem like it works well if you move the strikers around and have to have Lucho playing out of position. So, uh, it's just it's they're gonna. I know Pat had put out into the ether the idea of them not rushing to replace Brenner. Mm-hmm. They have to replace if they want to win silverware this year. They need to have a Brenner replacement lined up. Oh, um, should say Pat Brennan. Put that out there, not Pat Noonan. Just, oh, to, sorry, Pat Bre- Pat just so we don't Pat panic Brennan. people. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> Pat Brennan. Sorry, Pat Brennan. Yeah, that was last week on the show. Sorry about that. Yes. Yeah, Pat Brennan. <laughs> um, Noonan on the brain. No, they they need to bring the reinforcements in. And I guess the other thing too that you have to consider as well is that okay, so at least we should be open to the possibility that these rotational players by getting minutes now will look better going forward. I mean, Ian Murphy just had one of his best showings um, in his last uh, extended outing. He's looked better. Um, Maybe at some point the light just clicks for Angulo and we start to see a lot more of the potential that he was brought in for. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. It's it's worrying, though. The, The lack of depth is worrying. And at some point, like we were talking about with the Open Cup, they're going to have to make a call in an MLS game to do some rotation. Yeah. And they've been they've been reticent about doing that thus far. But, you know, Miazga is before this game, Miazga had played, I think, every minute of every game that had been played so far. Like yeah. he needs minutes off. Um, it's not sustainable. <laughs> Wobodo will need minutes off it's just his though he plays at such a high level barial is going to need minutes off and they're going to have to pick some games to do this and you almost wonder if like do you punt a game at some point and just play the reserves like just pick someone like toronto or some team that just sucks and just like you know what it's gonna be a lot of kids i know seattle's done this before where they've just had like almost like a hockey line change and just played the kids and just see what happens i don't know I mean, you could do worse than a 9.30 away game to Colorado as, yeah. <laughs> as a punt match. <laughs> Leave a lot of the starters back in, in Cincinnati. Don't even put the uh, the miles on them in, uh, in coach. You do have a short turnaround to play New York City in the midweek. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you could do worse. <laughs> just, you know, put the two team out there and just bunker. Play a little Mourinho ball. Park the bus. Play for like the nil-nil? I don't know. Or maybe you do that against New York City, rest against uh, rest against Chicago a little bit, and then try against Pittsburgh. Uh, it's, it, this is why Noonan gets paid the big bucks for, yeah. for figuring out how to rotate these guys. Uh, it does, that, that, that point though, does transition well to the next point here. Uh, 
new homegrown signing, which I have to assume is a little bit emergency depth signing uh, for this one. Uh, FC Cincinnati signs uh, Gerardo Dado Valenzuela. Uh, that nickname Dado there is a uh, is a great one. That's phenomenal. Um, I had, I I mean, this is so stupid to claim after the fact. I was told he had signed a pro contract last year. So when we got this news, I was like, oh, all right. I guess that wasn't official when I, when I had heard. Um, he comes in uh, allegedly based on the handful of comments I read and I cannot begin to vouch for or back up. Uh, he seems to be a very creative player who uh, could potentially be a Lucho backup, maybe a creative winger type so if you're looking to give barial or or lucho a night off this this might be the guy to come in late i don't i don't see him as starting no. material no i absolutely no no you you, you <laughs> sign a guy like this you sign him and then what you do is you tell him congratulations son pack your bags you're going to colorado you're getting the start and just see <laughs> just see what adrenaline does for that roll like, them out there <laughs> roll them out there no one's got any film or any tape of them you have no idea what to expect it could be great it could be a disaster <laughs> but either way don't give them enough time to think about it just get them out there and get them on the field as soon as the ink's dry <laughs> i i like it the the people who watch fcc two matches which God bless you. You've got more time than me. Um, they say he's good, so I will I will take that. Our two team is apparently not abysmal this year, so I'll take I'll take that. But like it it, it does real like you know being serious for a second. Like yeah. there is a point to this, and that's that when they talk about. I know that um I think Doyle put out on the uh, on his column about what are the hallmarks of a championship team. You were talking about this on Sunday yeah. when we recorded. And it's like ability to impose your will on teams, your play style. The second one that he used was um, the ability just to out talent people. There's a third part to that in terms of winning supporter shield. And that's that occasionally when you throw bums out there, they've got to they got to perform. And that's yes. been like something this this club has struggled with prior to this year. And that's that when they put in the reserves, the wheels just fell off. Yes. And for better or worse this year, when they have had reserves in, they've mostly acquitted themselves well. And that's that's a major hallmark of a supporter's shield or a top flight team is that you have got to be able to get quality minutes out of people that are barely old enough to shave. Why? Because it's a salary cap league and your backups are going to be cheap. They better be able to perform a little bit. So, yeah, to me, like we're going to learn a lot when we this team rotates and this team has to give minutes off and has to get through this fixture congestion. You're going to learn a lot as to whether or not you can expect this team to still be hanging around the conversation for the supporters shield in August and September, because they're going to need guys to deliver when the big stars are getting rest minutes. So exactly. Gonna exactly. Learn. Uh, I hope he surprise. plays. I hope he plays. Yes. I know nothing about him, but get him out there. Fuck it. I love it. Uh, I was surprised to learn. Not a striker, though. I I figured we would have gotten an emergency two-team striker signing a homegrown contract, but that was not the case. Um, there Can we was, get like a, however, a one-week loan of Nick Marcanic. Can we get him back for a week? Seriously, do we own his MLS rights? I don't know how that works, but surely, surely we have something calling dibs on him. <laughs> uh, there was some news, uh, kind of like. I don't know, like third, second hand news on this one. Uh, 
FC Cincinnati rumored to be in for a striker, a a rejected bid of Serbian youth striker uh, uh, Stojko Ratkov is is how I'm I'm Ratkov. You pronounce it right, Ratkov. Ratkov. Yeah, there we I'm go. I'm into it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Imagine the Bailey uh, chanting that Ratkov, Ratkov, Ratkov. <laughs> I mean that that chant is just perfect as yeah. is right there. Um, You're welcome, yeah. Das Harks. <laughs> we're, we're giving these away for free, um, right? Yeah, so he's a, a Serbian youth striker. He's apparently had a very good season uh, there. Uh, this came from a Tom Bogert a, uh, tweet where he said the rumors that RSL had bid three point eight million dollars for the striker were false. But FCC had a bid rejected a month ago. So, oh, oh, okay. So we're either, yeah, either we are, uh, yeah, still mid-negotiation. I don't know. I mean, my understanding of how a signing happens is probably way too colored from video games, which is <laughs> you do a back and forth negotiations that take place within about one minute, right? So I don't know if these things usually take months on end, but I feel like the selling team should have a number. The buying team should have a number. It doesn't feel that hard. Like buying a house doesn't take months i don't know um, so i don't know if that means we're done with him or if we're just going to continue to email them offers until they respond to one of them um i, I would they, note yeah. that albright does have a history of circling That's back true. to his targets the aforementioned waboto i believe we had a bid rejected for him in the winter of yes. 2021 and they went back and finished the deal in spring of 2022. Yes. So, I, you again, we're we're extrapolating out from one instance that we know of. That of course, this is always how it works, which is never dangerous to do in science or research <laughs> or anything like that. But it would be in keeping with what we know about Albright for him to throw a deal out there, see if he can get a deal done at his dollar value and then when that doesn't happen circle back especially with a u22 player where the rules are a lot more made up than they are with other salary rules in mls to come back and say all right well wh what do you want and yeah. maybe we can get to yes on this yeah and that is the thing where it, he would most likely be a u22 player i guess it's not out of the question he wouldn't be a young DP, although it doesn't, it doesn't quite fit the profile of that, but a lot of these are sort of financial designations more than you know, player skill designations. Um, but he does seem like a U22 player, which would mean his salary would probably max out somewhere around $600,000 and uh, a year. I don't know what they pay in the Serbian leagues for a uh, under 22 player, but I'm, I will just stereotype and say he'd be getting a raise if he took that money uh, coming here. Um, so, yeah, this is certainly the kind of signing, not unlike Angulo or even Barial, though he wasn't a uh, Albright signing, where it's the kind of move for the future where you would sign this guy and you would expect him to perform you know, at the at the peak of what you'd need from him next year in Dom Baji's spot or potentially Vasquez's spot. That's that's about the roster spot you're looking to replace uh, with a player like this. So, um, yeah, I stay tuned. We, we may very well be back for him, or at the very least, it gives us a sense of the profile of player that, that Albright right. is looking at. And I think that's the important part, is that 
this is as a fan, I like it just because a it gives me an idea of what Albright is looking at for his shopping list. Like it's interesting to me he's over in Europe looking for a player like this because yeah. I would have assumed based on how we've done our business as a club that we would be looking in South America for this kind of a player, or this kind of a talent. Um, it also tells me that they're actively shopping for that U22 young designated player role, which I love to see. And yeah. um, with a player that's young like that, time is a little more of the essence because there's going to be an on more of an onboarding with a young player than there is with an established player. So the sooner they can, I would love to make the signing now, even though you can't roster them, get them over to the United States, get them a house, get them a car, get their shit sorted, get them acclimated to being over yep. here, hire them a trainer, get them working on the side with whoever they can work with until they can actually roster the player and eliminate that the runway of discomfort that comes with a player acquisition if they could do it. That would be so nice for a change yes. to like not have things happening at the last goddamn minute. And, uh, you know, like take care of the human needs and like, OK, eliminate one possible reason why a player like this wouldn't be ready to contribute minutes down the stretch for the playoff run. Man, I remember reading something 15 years ago, 10 years ago of uh, a couple of Premier League teams were investing heavily in player relocation services and hired a couple of people on staff to be professional uh, player relocation specialists. They would, uh, especially the Premier League, where they're, they're, they're sourcing players from all over the globe. There isn't anywhere that they can't get a player from. But then immediately, you know, helping them get their family over if that's possible, getting them set up with groceries, making sure their, their, their tax status is set up, finding them a restaurant nearby that serves the food that they're used to, find, uh, you know, anything that is back home that they can't get, going and getting that for them that they need. And just like making that transition so smooth and that feels like the kind of thing that probably technically does, but probably technically won't uh, count towards the salary cap that FCC can offer as like a differentiator of like, hey, sure, you can go sign with a big Polish club or a French club, but if you come here, we will make this really easy for you. We can get your father a BS job at Centos. We'll get you set up <laughs> in a in a, a new in a, Joseph Toyota to drive around. And yeah, you'll be fine. Like we will we will smooth this out for you so much that you will you will not be in any discomfort. You have a car guy if you need to get anywhere, you call this number. You're not Ubering anywhere. You know, whatever the case is. I don't know, man. It's not Listen, my money, no, but, that but makes, this is what that, I would do. That makes so <laughs> much sense. And it's like, it's penny wise, pound foolish to a certain extent. And look, look mm -hmm. there's, there's rumblings out there in any number of directions as to how good FC Cincinnati as an organization is in terms of acclimating players. But let's be real. Right. There are some significant challenges to getting players relocated to a place like Cincinnati. We do not have big immigrant communities in the no. city. So there aren't those natural pockets of people for players to fall in with to yeah. help them acclimate. We especially don't have a middle class immigrant community, I'll say, in this town where, you know, if you're a soccer player making, you know, $250,000, $350,000 a year, 
you're probably not going to have a lot in common with the people that are coming over here that are that are dirt poor first generation immigrants. It's just going to be a different situation that you're going to be in financially to where they might not have the same concerns and the abilities to help you with things like taxes or buying a new car or whatever it is that you need to do when you get over here. Those are just realities of just the demographics of Cincinnati. Doesn't make this a bad place or a good place. It just sort of is. And to me, having someone on staff that takes care of this feels like a force multiplier in terms of players talk, agents talk, people talk. If you come to Cincinnati, you'll be well taken care of. And and not for nothing, in a city like this and in a league like this, why wouldn't you investigate doing a little NIL sort of oh, things yeah. like colleges do? Like you've got all these sponsors, you've got, you know, the farmers at Cintas, you've got, you know, the Weiler Automotive Group. Why wouldn't you start doing some th- it's soccer it's all fucking corrupt why wouldn't you be telling these young players right. hey hey um rotkov you know <laughs> maybe you don't want to come to america but if you come to fc cincinnati we can only pay you this much because you know we have a salary cap but we're very good friends with this pe- these people and we'll make sure that you get a sponsorship contract for um you know jeff weiler yeah you get a new car maybe your photo appears in the dealership and you make $50,000 for doing that, we'll make that happen. Maybe, you know, you get yourself on some posters at Great American Insurance and all of a sudden you're a spokesperson for some fucking annuities policy that's sold to 10 (laughs) people and you make $50,000 doing that. All of a sudden, look at that. You're making $100,000 off the books that are in endorsements that are local to our community. That's how NIL works. Why wouldn't you do that in MLS too if you're a market like Cincinnati where you may have, well, all they wanted to talk about when we were bidding for MLS was all these Fortune 500 companies that are involved here. Get these people some no-show gigs for their family. Like treat this like big time college athletics was in the 80s. If you can't beat the salary cap because it's got numbers involved in it, do all your money and transactions off the books. Like that's what SMU won a national title doing this. (laughs) (laughs) The idea that like it took forever to get Wobodo over here. Like folks, we have an entire law firm dedicated to FCC is what it feels like. Surely someone somewhere can offer these people an employment contract that can get them a temporary visa or or a green card fast track uh, to get them here. (laughs) I got a buddy of mine who's over in the UK right now. He brought his kids with him, which is just an all-time just bonehead move. Having yeah. said, he brought a six-month-old with him, and Oof. they were in just like stress, peril, whatever, because when they applied for the six-month-old's passport, they sent their other kid's birth certificate. So as of three weeks ago or two weeks ago, they didn't have a passport for one of the people they were traveling with. You know what they did? They called the office of J.D. Vance and they called the office of Greg Landsman and said to both of them, will somebody please fix this? We need to get a passport for our daughter. And you know what happened? They got a fucking passport for the kid. If you're wondering, it was J.D. Vance that delivered. That's not a political comment. That's just a factual statement. One one listener of this podcast would be very interested in that. Um, But like Carl Linder knows all these people. Like, he, yes, he's a contributor to at least one of the people we just talked about. Like, and Meg, <laughs> Meg Whitman's probably a contributor to the other, the other one. one? So yeah. yeah, but <laughs> you're telling me they can't get Woboto's family over here. They can't make a phone call to like one of the 100 most powerful people in government that right. works in one of the two chambers of Congress to get this done. <laughs> like, come on, folks. We like, can... start, 
start leveraging this shit. Come on. Yes. Yeah. I, the point about the Fortune 500, this is so good. Why did we bring it up if we weren't going to use it? Right. It's soccer. You're supposed to cheat. That's how this works. Let's cheat. I'm just, in for cheating. Just a little bit. Just, just a little just a little light cheating. So. I guarantee it's, still happening, it's happening everywhere else. It's like one of those things where until you start doing it, you don't realize you're the only one not doing it. I mean, especially you're you're daring the league to get mad at you for making life easier for the players. Like, yeah, sure. Obviously, Chief talking about paying them under the table. I can see no, being no, no, upset no, no, about no, that. No, 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 no. They're no. not being paid under the Sorry, table. Excuse they me. are paid spokespeople for people that are financially close to the owners of the club. This they're is getting a perfectly, paid on other tables. <laughs> yeah, under, they're, they're not getting paid, underpaid under our table. They're getting paid <laughs> on somebody else's table yes, yes. that happens to be adjacent to our table. <laughs> and our table told that table what to do. This is completely above board. There's no fraud in this at all. It's, it's a cafeteria of tables. <laughs> people are exchanging money on top of it. And look, and look if Rotkov ends up with a, a Jeff Weiler Honda, a Joseph Volkswagen and like a carry GMC car parked in his front front yard for him and all of his family members that JD Vance has brought over by greasing the skids at the immigration <laughs> and naturalization services. If that's how this works and that buys us an MLS cup, let's grift the hell out of this shit. I'm all for it. I I like that JD Vance will help us with uh, Ratkovs, and then uh, we'll get Landsman to help us with uh, Wobodo's family, <laughs> and I'll let you figure out why. Um, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's, let's politics, maybe. <laughs> hey, you know your audience. Um, let's let's jump over to part three, where man, I'm so good at this podcasting stuff. I forgot to write down. We should probably preview the game coming up tomorrow by the time most people are listening to this um so let's let's do that in part three and then let's get out of here oh my god yeah i uh Ratkov. man i hope he's good um which he by the way be, has to be with a name like that I, I just before we leave that, and I, I think it is relevant to talking about MLS. Uh, I did not realize Serbia also did this, and I'm a huge fan of this, which is they play uh, basically the first round of games through. So basically, if you're going to play a home and away game, everybody plays there once and then they separate the table. So the top half of the table plays for the championship where they all do a double round robin again. The bottom half fights off relegation. So if if you finish in the top half in the first half of the league, great. You're fighting for a championship and the opposite. You're fighting for relegation. I think MLS can adopt this schedule format. I think that this is this is very possible. And I've I've floated this before. And I, I just want to say it's a very cool idea. So I think they, they should do that. But then there should be some mechanism where whoever wins the lower level gets like a pass into some playoff that gets back. Like there's like a, yes. like the NASCAR concept of the lucky dog, where if you're like the last person, you get back on the lead lap, like something like that. There should be some 
up and down thing right there. I gotta flesh this out again. That is essentially what my proposal was. So I'm, I'm gonna try to remember it off the cuff here. It was every conference plays through once and you trade home and away every other year. So one year we play at Columbus, the next year we play at TQL, right? Um, you play through once. After that, you take the top half of each league, or uh, I think it was the top half of each league, plays against each other in a double round robin, and that sets the playoff field to like, let's say, seven of the teams or six of those teams make it to the playoffs. And then in the bottom half, only two of those teams make it to the playoffs. So you're not out of it, but it's much harder to dig yourself out of that hole. Or like, what if there was some sort of a mechanism where one game can send you back or up or down. So like if you're in the top, if you're in the bottom league and it's like, okay, so it's 10 and 10 and you're in the bottom league and you win a game by five goals, you're automatically moved up. But if you lose a game in the top league by five goals, you're automatically dropped back down to the lower league and all of a sudden you're fighting relegation off. I love, I love this. (laughs) Where like mid season, like, do you imagine some team where they're losing like six to nothing and they're just desperately throwing everything at the goal because they've got to get that goal differential in that game. They can't lose by five. They've got to get two goals real quick. I love that because it doesn't let you coast. Like just because you made the cutoff away from relegation doesn't mean you're safe. No. Like just because you can't, you don't think you can be relegated doesn't mean you can just take off the rest of the season. I love that. <laughs> well, imagine like you're in the relegation zone. And like you relegate the bottom three or whatever it is. Yeah. And you're that third team from the bottom and you're in the middle of a game and you score a fourth goal. And you know that if you get the fifth one, you go up to the top level. Yes. But that also means the team that's above you in the drops relegation down. drops down. <laughs> Where Like it's you are you're pulling the goalkeeper up to try and score again because losing four to one i mean winning four to one that doesn't matter who cares like but that fifth (laughs) goal for the five nil win (laughs) there would be so much chaos in these games man it just reminded me uh terry Henry uh came out with a list of uh reforms for for soccer and one of them was almost exactly what you've you've described here he wants extra points for teams that win by four or five goals like he wants he wants to tack on more points to the uh to the standings there yeah i agree with that i also am a huge fan of this has been proposed from time to time and god this is the best preview of fcc versus (laughs) colorado ever i think that the nil nil game should be a zero point draw that you should get no points if no goals are scored yeah treat it treat it like a loss and just encourage teams at the end that like somebody's got to go for the result because it doesn't matter like giving like if you try to win and still end up conceding you're in no worse shape than you would have been if neither team would have scored god that would improve so many games they go on the road and play for a draw is useless you have to try to win yeah you have to at least score you have to at least try to score yeah both teams are incentivized to try and score a goal if nobody scores a goal nobody wins Right. But if you both score goals and draw, you still get a point. Still get a point. Yeah. So you're incentivized for trying. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, So anyway, how about that Colorado team? Yeah. No, just saying all this means that this game will either end five to nothing or zero zero. Like (laughs) this is all something that's going to go horribly awry or this is going to be the worst game ever. One or the other. Uh, I do like that when I. 
I pull up the uh, the game preview. Every player that I probably could have named for Colorado is out hurt. <laughs> so Diego Rubio, Jack Price, Cole Bassett, uh, Abubakar Kita. These are all names I know. I don't right. know a whole lot of names in MLS. I recognize these names. All of these guys are hurt. Um, they haven't won a game in four games. In fact, the last game they've won was against Sacramento Republic in the <laughs> Open Cup. Oh boy! Uh, they they just lost back to back games to Real Salt Lake in the Open Cup and in the league. I mean, no reason to think we can't win this. I guess the only question is, does our squad rotation allow us to win this? I think given their form, I was looking at the same thing earlier with their uh, recent run of games. Yeah, they they aren't a strong team when healthy and they're not healthy. Um, Right. I think it would be tremendously tempting to give Lucho a night off. Tremendously. Mm -hmm. Or at the mm-hmm. very least, give him the, I forget who was saying it today, but the idea that like for Noonan, a day off is we are only going to play it. We're going to give you the first 70 minutes off and the 20 minutes you play are like a hard practice. Yes. So you're not getting anything worse than you would have if this would have just been a practice day, which I buy. Like I buy yeah. that as like a decent strategy. So to me, it would be tremendously tempting to give Lucho the, the vet day where he mm-hmm. comes in in like the 70th minute if if necessary to see a uh, to see a victory through I I, yeah. I think you do that 120 yeah. like the the team had to play in a 120 minute game midweek this is not a strong team they're playing um it's a western conference team so you know if you give them 3 points it's not like you're helping out someone that's chasing you yeah in the table so it's a lower ranked team as well in the west so it's like you're not helping a supporter shield challenger we're not losing to 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 lafc here or seattle we're we're losing to a bottom barrel team the best argument for not doing it and this makes absolutely no sense but i'm a sports fan i live delusions as we've already established yes is that with as much winning as this team has been doing they're on a heater and don't stop that on your own that like there's there's some there's some magic there's some pixie dust in the air right now at the mercy health training center and you you might be tempting the sports gods if you take this run you're on and tank it yourself by pulling all the starters out i don't know i i i yeah I'm, i'm deeply superstitious as a sports fan and winning is a habit and winning like this Red Bulls game almost felt like, well, they won this game because they win games, not right. because they played better, not because they deserve to win. It's just, well, we win games this year. That's and how the we minute, do it. And yeah. And the minute that's fine until you don't win games and winning isn't what you do. And I, it's a superstitious, weird thing. I would. I don't know if you it's a, if you mess up the juju by not going for the dub. I can I can buy that. I mean, do you one, you tie Lucha's hands down, and then two, you you ask for a show of hands who wants to start at Colorado, <laughs> right? So you just you take a an, an irregular army out there of whoever whoever desperately wanted the minutes. So like a miasga might be like, ah, at altitude. 
Yeah. I'll catch the New York City game right. on Wednesday, Coach. You coach, I'm going to give you 120% in New York. Yeah. I promise. <laughs> promise. Now, this is very much, uh, I mean, not that anybody needed confirmation, but just I'm not a professional athlete, and I would absolutely <laughs> decline to play at Colorado. <laughs> like, nah, I'm good, Coach. Thanks, though. Yeah, it's like, you know, I'm going to somebody's playing at Red Rocks. I'm going to hit the dispensary and go catch the show. You guys let me know how the game ended. Yeah, this uh, this would be a good one. I'll watch in street clothes. Right. Yeah, I got Wi-Fi. At the, they got Wi-Fi at the concert venue. I'll check out Apple TV. It'll be great. Oh, um, man. If they are going to squad rotate, I have one request. Yeah. Play Jimenez. Bring the 15 yeah. year old. Bring the 15 year old. Because. Uh, ooh, wait. He is. He just got called up to some youth thing. I don't what? think that's happening right now. He, no, uh, no, 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 no. Called up to U.S. Youth U16 squad <laughs> that will play between May 30th and June 4th. Oh, we got plenty of time. We got we, that's eternity okay. away. Yeah, we'll be fine. He can. He'll catch a frontier flight from Denver to wherever this is was taking place at. Uh, it is taking place in Fukushima, Japan. That's so. great. That's great. Get him. Get him one of those lie flat seats. He'll. It'll knock wow. him out. He's fifteen. He can fit there. Actually, the first game USA Japan May thirty first. He'll be fine. I, I don't know that he'll be here. <laughs> <laughs> he may not be with the team right now. <laughs> yeah, whatever. He's fifteen. He's full energy. He can just hop right off the plane and. What's that, an 18-hour flight from Denver? He'll be all right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Think of all the sky wow. miles we'll rack up. This will be great. Incredible. I'm trying to – I'm scrolling through this very quickly. It does not say when they are going to be in camp. So I'm, I'm not I'm, – I'm betting they're already there. I would assume it so. Feels, it feels like you would probably want to let people acclimate a little bit to being on the other side of the globe. <laughs> Bunch yes. of a bunch of sixteen-year-olds in Japan. Yeah, you want to get him over there early. <laughs> I like the idea that he plays in Colorado, then at three in the morning makes the flight over, and he's just in horrific shape for the look, camp. kid. If you want to be a professional athlete, it comes with some goddamn sacrifices. So get on that plane, get that lie flat seat, and fucking go to sleep. Wow. So. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Every every youth player we got isn't available. <laughs> I mean, on one hand, cool, but on the other right. hand, somebody's got to play this game. <laughs> Damn it, we're gonna have to play the starters. We really are. That's what it's looking like. I mean, I guess that's why they rotated against New York, right? So, right, Moreno should be good to go. Barial didn't play the whole game. Uh, Roman should be fresh. Roman should be <laughs> Evan Moreau should be in good shape. <laughs> him and uh, over by the him and the Nespresso boys. Yeah, the Nespresso boys. Oh, the, the, are was it, no, the, uh, what was it? The Bravia or Oh shoot. Yeah, it was oh it was man, start with was... a B. No, Bravia is a TV. What the fuck was it? Uh... This is electric radio content, by the way. Man, what was the name of that? <laughs> Oh, it's right on the tip of my tongue, and it, it just will not come. Well, yeah, our, our coffee fiends on this roster. Right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> be all so right. what's your prediction for this game? <sighs> Two to one good guys, just because I don't know what else to pick anymore. Yeah. What are you thinking? 
Five nothing. Five nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we nil, get promoted nil. to Liga MX. I don't yeah. know where else we go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I am going to say two one. Is that what you said? Did you say two one? That is what I said. No, you, I don't want. You, to, I can't. Do, I can't okay. do that. All right. Um, I'm going to say one nil, just because that's what we do. One nil. Hey. There we go. One nil FCC. Did we get a prediction from Grayson? If we he, did, I missed it. Well, you sent us that audio file. I don't know if you're going to use that. Hey there, it's Grayson checking in from the UP. That stands for the upper part of Michigan, for those who don't know. You know, people are tough on the South, but you know, everywhere has a South, and sometimes it's the North. Anyway, I haven't watched the game because I'm camping and can't get video to load. Saw um, Kubo scored. Easily goal of the season for me, even though I didn't see it. Saw the Red Bulls races scored. Glad I couldn't see his celebration. We won in penalties. I don't know who took them, but I assume one was Lucho and one was Barial. Probably Mascara, too. Oh, and I thought Marco Angulo really impressed out there finally. Anyway, we've got Colorado next. Haven't seen player availability or any news, but I'll go 2 0 to the FC with the Brenner brace. All right. Love you. Bye. Holy shit, what a take from Grayson. Wow. <laughs> Man. You go to the Upper Peninsula, you get changed. Can you believe, can, can you believe he's that? He's in militia country. <laughs> right? Man, I did not expect him to become a Kid Rock fan that quickly. It, it, was, it was teetering that way for a while. Ain't nobody going to tell him how to live. <laughs> All right. Is that a podcast? I think that's a podcast, man. I there was so much to cover. I nearly puked on air. <laughs> this would have been great. <laughs> we didn't even get into just talking about how Red Bull has successfully um, successfully changed the energy drink market and made anyone that drinks Monster a total chud somehow. That, that was the off-air so conversation. <laughs> that is so true. And uh, if you enjoy a bang or a C4, you're probably former military. And if you're Celsius, you're probably a white woman. There's a lot that goes into this. <laughs> and if you're enjoying a monster, you're probably late for your child support payment. <laughs> On that note, fuck Columbus. All of the music in this podcast was done by Jim Trace and the Makers, an amazing local Cincinnati band. You can find more information about them in the description of this episode. Also, be sure to check out The Post Cincy at thepostcincy.com. That's where we're posting our written content. You'll find a wide range of content there posted regularly. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast app, or better yet, share this episode with a friend, a family member, a fellow FC Cincinnati fan, somebody you think might enjoy this content, please send it on over uh, to them. We would really, really appreciate that. And if you haven't done so already, we do have a Discord server. Feel free to drop in and join the conversation happening there. Again, links to that can be found on the website or in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for listening.